Welcome back to the exclusive Builder Funnel Radio mini-series, Profit Bleeds with Todd DeWalt. As a reminder, in this mini-series, Todd and I dive into eight different profit bleeds that are causing your construction business to lose money. Solve these profit bleeds and you'll have yourself a solid, profitable construction business. Each episode has practical, tactical strategies for eliminating profit bleeds and putting more cash back in your pocket. All right, let's get into the show. Todd, welcome back. It's good to be back. Yeah, today we're gonna we're gonna continue with some more uh, more areas where people can solve some problem areas and add more profitability back into the business. So last episode we talked through schedule overruns and rework, and those were a couple of big ones. But I know there's another another one that's uh, kind of a hot topic, which is downtime. So what does downtime look like? How do you how do you spot it? So if you've ever been in a taxi and you're sitting in a taxi watching the meter running click up by the the second by the minute and you're stuck in traffic and you're not getting anywhere then imagine imagine that's your job site if you own a business where you're you have you're in charge of hitting a budget on a crew or a project anytime you see equipment people resources whether they're trade partners or they work for you standing around not putting work in place that meter is running and it's it's an extremely high meter if you run a business whether your doors are open or not your meter's running because your rent your mortgage your insurance your truck payments your phones all of your overhead your indirect costs they don't care that's why they're called indirect costs because you're going to pay them whether you're doing work or not so downtime is huge and it, it's when you're not getting anywhere. No progress is being made, but the meter is running. So what this looks like, a few examples would be waiting, any kind of waiting at the job site. You have talking about direct costs here, labor, equipment, sitting around, waiting for materials to show up, waiting to find materials, waiting for other trades to, to do their work. If you're a subcontractor, waiting for the general contractor to get a site ready for you, to get a floor ready, showing up, one of the most frustrating parts would be for a subcontractor showing up to a job and it's not ready, or you have to do a bunch of work on somebody else's behalf so you can do your work. Waiting on information, waiting on a decision, waiting on a change, finding some sort of issue and then running it up the flagpole, calling the, pro- the foreman who calls the project manager, who calls the architect, who calls the client, and then that phone game has to come back, and then there's questions. So waiting, just downtime. And I'm, I'm not talking about, there, there are some things that are, that are unavoidable, but there's an incredible amount of avoidable downtime. And of course, weather comes into this as well. There's a lot of downtime caused by weather, but that's, that's really what I'm talking about. Yeah, man, that that one as you're rattling off all of those things, you can just see how this could stack up so quick. And that that analogy used is really powerful because yeah, we've all been there. You're kind of sitting there going, uh, it's just ticking up and up. This and is up. costing and me and I'm not it, getting yeah. anywhere. <laughs> yeah, not moving. You know, if, if at least you were moving slowly, it would feel a little bit better. But yeah, those are some big ones. And I would imagine each one kind of comes with uh, maybe it's own root cause, or maybe there's a couple of, of root causes, but what have you identified 
as a couple of those things to go, okay, that's really what's causing all of these things. There are, there are a couple of, couple of things. Um, again, there, you can do your own root cause analysis, which I would recommend, but if you're just looking for some shortcuts, if you want some hacks, then the first one is, uh, there's this kind of folksy sounding saying that I heard a, he was a director in uh, city government. He said, the best way to starve a horse is to have two people feed it. So think about that. If you have kids, if you have multiple kids and you say, hey, kids, take care of this, what are the chances of them getting that done? <laughs> and yeah, the, the saying is, <laughs> if, if you have two people try to feed a horse, then they're each going to think the other one did it and the horse is going to die. So the answer is single source responsibility. For every key part of your business, every key part of your operation, every key part of a project, there needs to be one person. And every, that person needs to know that they own it, that they own that part of the process. And then everybody else needs to know that that person owns it. And then part of this is also one of the other root causes is that people aren't allowed to make decisions. There's this misconception that the person who is higher on the org chart is better equipped to make decisions, right? It's like, and I used to get these phone calls, hey, Todd, what do you want me to do? And then they asked me a question, so I would try to figure it out. But I wasn't there. I was in the trailer or I was 50 miles away trying to answer their question. But there's this misconception by the people in the field and the people in the trailer, the people in the office, that whoever is the supervisor or whoever is higher on the organizational chart is better equipped to make decisions. And that's wrong. Yeah, in that example, you probably ended up going to call the person that's right next to the work to figure out what we should do. Yeah, exactly. The reality is, and this is something that the military learned, if you want to see what this looks like in real life, then study the difference in leadership between the, the allies during the Normandy invasion and the Nazis. Look at the, the, how, they, how they led. There was decentralized command. The allies were like, we're going to decentralize command, decentralize decision-making. We're going to authorize the people closest to the problem to make decisions. We're going to give them the resources, give them the training, turn them loose. But on the flip side, fortunately for the allies, nobody, was, nobody had the, the nerve to wake Hitler up and let him know what was going on because he was asleep. And Hitler had to make all the decisions. So decentralized command. Understand that the person closest to the problem is best equipped to make the decision. So push information and push decision-making authority out to the people closest to the problem so that they don't have to waste time running it up the flagpole. Establish some parameters. One of the best ways is to, to understand this, that the, some people are so concerned about making a wrong decision that they just shut everything down. So if, if you have a crew out there, you need to understand how much is it costing? How much is every 15-minute block of wasted time costing you? How, how, long, how much does an hour cost you? And then understand and tell people, okay, look, if it's going to cost less than 100 bucks in materials and labor, do whatever you think. Because the cost of inaction is often higher than the cost of a wrong action. So just get moving. So 
delegate, authorize your people in the field closest to the decision to make a, to make a decision, make the call. But it's about speed. Make, look at the situation, make a call, tell people, give them some delegation of authority. Hey, listen, if it's under 50 bucks, don't even call me. If it's under a thousand bucks, don't even call me. Just do it and we'll talk about it later because we need, it's more important that we keep moving. And that's, that's to stop one, and try yeah. to find the right answer. Yeah, because if you got five guys, ten guys, fifteen guys out in the field, you know the that per hour cost starts ramping up really quick. So I would imagine for a lot of people, like you said, you threw out the fifty, hundred, thousand bucks. So I would imagine thousand bucks is no problem. Like, hey, if it's under a thousand bucks, roll with it, decide, and move on. Because even just an hour delay or 30 minute delay, you know, might end up costing you more than that. Exactly. I had crews, uh, the company that I ran, we had a crew that needed to generate $20,000 in revenue a day. And it wasn't like they worked incrementally. They were like two big actions. Like if we got two installations done, that was $20,000. So if there was a 30 minute delay or an hour delay, that could be the difference between a $10,000 day and a $20,000 day. So yeah, that's take huge. the call. Waste $500 in materials. Just go. It's about speed. It's not so much about perfection. Get your people thinking speed, speed in decision-making instead of being afraid. And this is a leadership issue. We don't have time to get into all the, all the leadership, but you're, you need to authorize your people, trust your people, give them the information that they need, give them the decision-making authority that they need so they can move quickly and be agile and stop calling you. Stop being a freaking micromanager. And that's, if you're a micromanager, you're the problem. If you do a root cause analysis, you'll find that you are probably a big source of your problems. Yeah. Good point. You know, and as soon as you become the the roadblock, all those problems just keep piling up right there. (laughs) Right. If you, if many, so many construction business owners are the bottleneck for information and decision-making. If all the information, if, if a lot of the information flows through you, if you're like the Venturi tube through which everything flows, and if you're the bottleneck through which all decisions have to flow, then you're the problem. But that's good news. You can solve that. So that's, that's one of the root causes. The other one, the other root cause is just planning. You need to plan further in advance. If there's missing, if you're waiting on materials, waiting on information, oh, we forgot this tool, we're waiting on equipment to be delivered, something broke down, yeah, we should have had a spare hose or a spare belt, plan further in advance. And what I advise people to do is turn your doers into planners. Push the planning, not only the decision-making, but push the planning to the people closest to the problem or closer to the problem. Have your crew leaders do the planning for the next day. Ask them, what do you need for the next day? What's your plan for the next day? What are the risks? What manpower, what material, what equipment, what information do you need for tomorrow? And then have them think about that today at two o'clock so that there's time to respond before the end of the day so that they can be successful tomorrow. But really it comes down to let's let's empower the people closer or closest to the problem to do the planning, make the decisions, order the material, work out the details, and stop being the bottleneck of information and decisions. 
Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Todd DeWalt. I wanted to quickly let you know about Builder Funnel Academy. We only open the doors twice a year and it's quickly becoming a top digital marketing training platform for residential remodelers and builders. For over a decade, our team has been helping residential construction companies 3X, 5X, and oftentimes 10X their lead flow. As you know, leads are the lifeblood of any business because leads turn into sales, which turns into cash. And the main reason companies fail is because they run out of cash. To learn more about Builder Funnel Academy and get on the wait list, go to builderfunnelacademy.com slash VIP. If you're looking for more predictability in your marketing and sales funnel, check out Builder Funnel Academy. We'd love to see you inside the program. Remember that's builderfunnelacademy.com slash VIP to get on the VIP list. Let's get back to the show. Good stuff. Yeah, I feel like as you're talking through this, it's interesting because you hear a lot of these concepts. If you read business books, leadership books, you'll hear stuff like push decision-making down or, you know, the person that's closest to the work usually has better ideas about how to solve the problem. And also same with the planning, you know, that person is going to be doing the work so they can oftentimes anticipate those problems or the delays in the schedule. But what I like about this is that you've tied it to, okay, downtime is what we see. And so that's what's going on there. And then you're going, okay, so what is that? you know, root cause or, you know, what are the action steps that we can take? And so when you read something like that, you go, that sounds great. You know, how do I do that? Or what does that actually look like? Or what's the, sometimes you don't even know what the negative impact is. You, you just hear somebody say, well, you got to push decisions down or delegate more. And so I feel like what you've laid out here for everybody is this is what it actually looks like. You're seeing people waiting around and here's why it's going on. And then, and then here's how to solve it. So downtime though, man, as you were walking through that, I'm going, this, this one's probably a monster, you know, in terms of a profit lead. It's a killer. And if you look at some of the productivity statistics and construction, McKinsey reports showing productivity is like 50 or 60%, some of the lowest in the developed world. This is why it's, here's the thing. It's productive. Most productivity issues are not the fault of the people in the field. Okay. Maybe some of them are, but I've done three hour workshops on improving productivity and never have I said, you need to tell your people to work harder. (laughs) Yeah. Just do this faster. (laughs) There are so many other things that, that you can solve upstream. Most of the problems, most of the root causes of poor productivity are way upstream. They happen before the people even get to the job site and have nothing to do with the people at the job site. They're, they're our fault. It's a leadership issue. It's a, it's, and I've seen it. I've done it. I've, I grew a company from 12 or 15 people up to 50 people, tripled profit margins, and a lot of it was leadership and systems doing this stuff. So these are not just the, the rantings of a crazy man. These are... <laughs> These things actually work. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. So let's move on to shop time. What is shop time? I would amend that to, to say another one of the big profit bleeds is shop time and shopping time as well. So shop time, 
what that looks like is uh, I ran a company once and we had at one point up to 50 employees. And if every employee spent an extra 15 minutes a day at the shop in the morning, hanging around the shop, whether that's well, whatever they're doing, it's extremely expensive. And if you do the math, 15 minutes a day times 200, no, 200 and some days a year times whatever their wage is, the direct labor cost is pretty high. But then the opportunity cost is pretty high. This is time spent doing non-revenue producing activities while they're on the clock. So they're not making money and they're costing you. So what it looks like, I'll give you a couple of examples, would be guys meeting up at the shop, sitting around drinking coffee, shooting the breeze for an extra 15 minutes, looking for tools in the morning, everybody showing up and then making up their plan. Okay, what are we doing today? Well, all right, this is what we're going to do. Oh, well, we need this, we need that. And oh, you're using that. And there's all this gyration and wasted time spent at the shop. The other thing it looks like is shopping time. So a great example of this, one morning I was driving to a job site and it was about 8.30 in the morning, probably 8, 8.30 in the morning. And I pulled into a gas station and I noticed the gas station was filled with trucks and vans and box trucks. And I counted and five of the trucks there at the gas station were from the same plumbing company. Wow. And I, I, I sat there and watched and I just wanted to see how long they were going to be in there. And I was there for about 15 minutes before I lost interest and I had to get to work. But <laughs> five trucks with two guys in each truck at the gas station, maybe they fueled up, but they were inside buying who knows what, snacks, water, cigarettes, lottery tickets. I don't know what they were buying. But the majority, maybe 100% of this company's workforce was at the gas station at 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning not on a job site. Every one of these guys was on the clock and chances are they weren't too happy with productivity that day. So that's what shopping time is. Gas stations, Lowe's, Home Depot. If you go into a Lowe's or a Home Depot in the morning, you'll see it filled with people picking up materials for the day during the workday. And it, it's, it's a big profit bleed because there's the, the direct cost but actually the bigger cost is the opportunity cost. The time spent picking up materials, shopping, or sitting around the shop while they, you could be and need to be producing revenue. So if you think about, you may be wondering, what's opportunity cost? Let's assume you have a two-person crew and they should, be, should produce $1,600 a day in revenue. Well, if they spend an hour combined a day at the shop, say 30 minutes extra at the shop, 30 minutes extra picking up materials, the gas station, some combination of lost time, that's $200 in opportunity costs. And it gets really expensive when you start adding that up over the course of a month or the course of a year. And it's actually the root cause of cash flow problems and profitability problems and schedule delays because of shop time and shopping time. Yeah, I'm starting to see how a lot of these are linked together or overlap too. So it seems yeah. like 
if you start to solve one, you quickly start solving a couple others or you're maybe on your way to doing that. So with the the shopping time, I'm I'm curious to dig into that one a little bit, especially with the material pickup, you know, because that seems like kind of a normal part of the process. So how do you start to turn the corner on that one and start shaving away at that that wasted time? Start with uh, four words. Stay out of stores. <laughs> Just stay out of stores. And when I say that, that's controversial. People are, I've done this on webinars. I've shared that and people are like, huh? In the chat box, what? What do you mean stay out of stores? From a production standpoint, from a planning standpoint, from a scheduling, from a management standpoint, if if somebody on my team ever had to go pick up materials during the workday, that was a failure because their job, my my revenue producer's job is not to pick up materials. Their job is to put work in place. So number one, the first step is really identify your revenue producing people. There are people on your team that generate revenue. So if you are a, if you do remodeling, then your lead carpenters, for example, are the revenue producers. They're the, the if, if you take them out of the equation, productivity goes to practically zero. So that's how you figure out who are my revenue producers. Well, if they're gone, then nothing happens. And maybe there's some other people around, but helpers and laborers and, and folks like that, assistants, but identify your revenue producers and then make it your job to keep them on the job as much as possible. And then do what I call load shedding, which is to roll off non-revenue producing activities to other people. So identify your revenue producers, figure out what are they doing that somebody else could do. So for example, fueling trucks. This company that I ran, we had, it was a, a utility company and we had dozens of trucks, mini excavators, track hose, skid steers, things like that. And when I got there, everybody was fueling up their own truck at the gas station in the morning. And um, what I did was I installed bulk fuel tanks at the shop. And then I hired somebody to fuel trucks and clean trucks and set it up so that when the revenue producers got there in the morning, I had established a goal that said, I want you in and out of the shop in 15 minutes. And if somebody's holding you up, you let me know what it is. And we're going to get that taken care of because I want you to show up at the shop. We want to reduce shop time. I want you to show up at the shop, your truck's fueled, your equipment's loaded, you, what, you have what you need on your truck and you just go to work or better yet, it's at the job site for you. So it really starts with identifying your revenue producers and then audit their time, figure out how, what are they spending time on that's not making money and then go hire or find somebody to do that. And there are some, some free ways to do it. For example, picking up materials. If you will just plan a little further in advance and have the materials shipped to the job site, you can negotiate with your supplier for free delivery. Or a low-cost option that I've heard of is instead of running back to the shop to pick something up, I know of people who use Uber for that. They call an Uber. 
And then they don't get in the car, but they put the box of screws or spray foam or whatever it is in the car and send them to the job site. And it's 10 or 15 bucks. Yeah, it costs. But if you think about opportunity cost, think about every person on your team costs 100 bucks an hour in revenue. That's, that's the way to think about it. Then you start thinking, ah, I can't afford to have my revenue producers shopping or finding stuff at the shop especially if you're doing prevailing wage work or union scale work, where you're talking about 50 to 75 to hundred bucks an hour, it gets really, really pricey at that point. So stay out of stores, number one. And then a couple of other strategies that I've put together would be to stock commonly used tools and materials somewhere. Keep your people out of stores. If you have a shop, put them in your shop. If you don't have a shop, rent a storage unit. I know of people who they don't have a, a shop or an office to speak of, but they rent a, a Connex box or a container and they use that as their shop essentially. And they, they, they keep their people out of stores. As I mentioned, if you have trucks and equipment, get bulk fuel tanks, put them somewhere and either even if you have your revenue producers fueling equipment and trucks, at least they're staying out of gas stations, but better yet, have bulk fuel tanks and or pay somebody to fuel trucks off hours during non-revenue producing time. And then the other one would be to clearly define the expectations on shop time. When, when should your people start? When should they clock in? When should they show up? If the expectation is that they show up 15 minutes before they actually start, then you show up at 6.45, you clock in at 7, and the goal is that you are out of the shop by 7.15, on the job site at 7.30. Another good strategy is just keep them away from the shop altogether. Have them drive directly to the job site. So there's, and there's dozens of other strategies, but really it comes down to thinking about what are my people spending time on that is not producing revenue? And then how can we eliminate that? Yeah, yeah, that's super good stuff. I mean, some of that stuff is really pretty simple, like you said, to implement, you know, it's just communicating it, you know, hey, here are the goals, you know, when you get in, get out by this time. And yeah, I'm sure you could go find somebody, an intern that's going to fuel up trucks or do things, you know, say from six to nine at night, you're fueling trucks and, you know, you can get creative. And, and to your point, it's, it's really about that opportunity cost and what they're spending that time on. And then I'm even seeing that's probably linked to the scheduling, you know, because if you're producing more in the day, then suddenly you're, yeah, it just, it's all connected. So. Yeah. There, there's yeah. this great ripple effect of, Actually, when people come to me and say, my cash flow sucks, then I'll immediately tell them, all right, tell me how much time you're spending, you and your people are spending picking up materials every day. I'm like, well, probably an hour and a half. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Solve, Solve that. that. <laughs> and your cash flow goes up, your profitability goes up, your schedule delays go away. And it's, again, as I mentioned, so we talked about before, it really it all hinges on your ability to get to the root cause and then yeah. put solutions in place. They're, these things are not, they're not rocket science, but they do take a little bit of work. There is a little bit of a hump you have to get over to put these things in place. But once you put those in place, 
once you put, say, bulk fuel tanks in place, you reap the rewards. You get a return on that time invested every day for the rest, for the rest of, of, of your life. And it, it, there's no better time invested than something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Well, Todd, this is really good stuff. And for everybody listening, stay tuned for the next episode because we're going to dive into some more profit bleeds. And uh, if you guys keep working on these things, I think you'll see a huge turnaround in profitability. So stay tuned. We'll see you on episode three. Hey guys, man, awesome stuff in that episode. Downtime and shop time can be profit killers for sure. Make sure you carve out some more time this week to start attacking these profit bleeds. Based on what Todd has covered so far, depending on the size of your business, you could probably add back 10,000 to maybe even 100,000 per year to your bottom line. So make sure you turn this knowledge into action. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you back here for episode three of Profit Bleeds with Todd DeWalt on Builder Funnel Radio.